Well, hey, you're in for a treat today, and we're going to have a guest uh, here in a moment that's going to uh, teach us and, and lead us on uh, the topic of prayer. Now, as, as you know, a lot of you that call CVC home, we're wanting to raise the prayer culture of our church. Uh, we have a God who's real, and he loves you, he loves us, and he loves it when we pray. And a lot of us, if we're going to be honest and transparent, don't know if we pray right or if we pray well or how do you pray or we have limited prayer or we have this deep sense that we could pray different or deeper or something. And so we want to continue to to engage that and say we don't want to just be a church that says, hey, go pray about something, then kind of hope you do. Uh, or say, hey, let's pray, and every prayer experience is just one person praying, and everyone's just in agreement. We want to continue to be a church that doesn't just have prayer. We want to be a church of what? Of prayer. And so we want to be a praying church. And so today, uh, we're going to hit that head on uh, with today's topic. Now, over a year ago, uh, I was handed a book called Old Paths, New Power. And this was written by a man named Daniel Henderson. And some of our elders got their hands on that. We took our elders through it, our leadership team through it. If you know a pastor or a ministry leader of any nature, I just highly recommend this book. It's a call back to to make sure that you're being faithful to just prayer and the word. Uh, sometimes we can get clever with programming and all that kind of stuff. It's just a call back to prayer and the word. And as we read through the material, we just felt uh, a kindred spirit with the author. And so we got in touch with the author and had a chance to visit with him and just said, we'd love to have you come out. And so Daniel came out Friday, Friday morning. He was here. We had a bunch of regional pastors and ministry leaders and some staff that were here Friday morning. And then Friday night, we had a time with Daniel with our elders and some of our leadership team and staff. And then he was here yesterday. How many of you were here yesterday? I know a bunch of you were probably here yesterday, absolutely, uh, with our life group leaders and ministry leaders and staff, and then we have the privilege of him teaching the Word. And what I love about Daniel is that not only was he a pastor for 20, 30 years, but also he just took a calling for prayer to another level, and now is president of a ministry called Strategic Renewal, also the Acts 6-4 Fellowship, where he just helps churches grow their cultures in prayer. He's a, he's a down-to-earth guy, he's humble, but uh, he has a gifting in helping people pray. And so today, we're not just going to be talking about God. We're going to have a time to talk to God and grow in prayer together. So we're in for a treat. Would you welcome today our brother in Christ, Daniel Henderson. Jack, love you, man. Thank you. I said this yesterday, your pastor is easy to love, isn't he? Uh, so grateful. What a gift to the body of Christ. Amen. We love you, brother. Thank you for your leadership and faithfulness. And I heard a guy say one time, it's kind of counterintuitive, but he said, uh, we always think that, that pastors help churches succeed, but actually churches also help pastors succeed. So thank you for being such a wonderful church, so supportive and committed to the things that matter most. I, really, I feel so comfortable here. I don't know what, this must be like my new home or something. I, I don't know if I've ever been in the Cuyahoga Valley, but here we are, right? Yeah, maybe we'll uh, come back more often, but it's great to be with you. Uh, by the way, it's quite windy out there. If anybody, I have a favor. If anybody sees my toupee blowing around the parking lot, would you please return it to him? I'd like to take that back to Colorado when I head home tomorrow morning, right? And if you believe that, I got some swamp land in, in uh, Florida, I'll sell you too, all right? So anyway, no, uh, Fellowship of the Foreheads is a great, great club. I love it so much. So 
Turn them in your Bibles to Luke 11. You've been in Luke, and we're just going to jump ahead for a moment as we talk to Pastor Chad and the team about what to do today. We said, hey, might as well stay in the Gospel of Luke, so we're going to do that. Uh, you'll get to this text a little later, and Pastor Chad will do a much better job in explaining it than I will, but hopefully it'll be adequate for the day, and we're looking forward to jumping in that this morning. It is called The Answer That Changes Everything. We're going to kind of expedite the teaching part a little bit so that we can pray out of this passage a little bit in a way that it could be an encouragement to you. And we're not going to send you over the edge. You're not going to stand up and pray out loud or anything like that. But, but it's been said the best way to apply God's word is to pray it. And I think that's a great, great thought. And we're going to try to do that together today. All right. Would you bow with me as we pray together and commit this time to the Lord? So, Father, in Jesus' name we come in the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting you in this moment. Uh, would you give to your servant understanding, unction, and utterance, Lord, understanding to know what you want me to say, unction to say it in the power of your spirit, and utterance to make it clear to your people so that the word of God may go deeply into our souls, uh, transforming our minds and making us not only more like Jesus, but more passionate about his mission. And help me, Lord, in this moment to be others-focused and God-focused, not self-focused, Pray that you give me grace to look out not on a crowd to be feared, but a family to be loved. And as we love you and love one another, may we in turn love the lost uh, by the power that you give us to be on mission with you. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Amen. One of the things I love about the Christian life is the endless potential to change. Uh, the endless possibilities of growth. Uh, the extraordinary uh, pathways in which I can become all that God designed me to be. I uh, write e-devotions on a regular basis, and I skipped over that slide, but if you want to get that, you can just go to our website or ask the guys at the table. But I write these on a regular basis. This morning, I wrote one uh, connected to the wisdom of Christ. It'll go out tomorrow, and one of the verses that so challenged my heart is Colossians 2, 3, where it says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Anybody like treasure? I mean, all the treasures, all means all, of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and there you go. If you want to get that, check it out, okay? But so with that in mind, and even John said, you know, if everything Jesus taught could, could somehow be dispersed, it would take all the libraries, or in the modern version, all the hard drives of the world to contain them, Right? So with that in mind, all that we have available, let me ask you a question. If you could ask this Savior for just one thing, just one thing out of all the options, what would it be? Or if you could maybe say it a different way, ask him to teach you just one lesson. What one lesson would you want the glorious Christ to teach you? Well, it's been noted, you've heard it before, that the disciples actually only asked Jesus to teach them one thing. That's pretty amazing. Not to preach. Not how to, you know, have a you know, better love life. I mean, all kinds of... They asked him to teach them to do one thing. And you know what the answer is, right? Yeah, that's right. People say, Henderson, when you ask us a question, we know the answer is either Jesus or prayer, right? So in this case, it's both, but it's prayer specifically. Teach us to pray. And so today we're going to look at the very text in which that happens and uh, see what Jesus goes on to explain to them in response to that very important question. 
Now, let's be honest. Some of us here, maybe we've given up on prayer. Maybe we're frustrated. Some are probably saying, man, Chad, all he talks about is prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. Let me just say this. Prayer's not the only thing we do. Just the first thing we do. Out of our praying comes the joy of the Christian life. And we have all kinds of, of uh, fond and sometimes flawed ideas about prayer. Uh, I love to define prayer this way. And if you write anything down, I hope you write this down. We said it yesterday that prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. Can you say that with me? Intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. I mean, that's what the Christian life is, right? If you're here and you're not sure if you're in with, with faith and you're not sure you've really followed Christ, you're not sure you, you have a destiny in heaven, let me invite you to intimacy with the God of the universe through the work of his son that will lead to the fulfillment of his purposes in your life. So I'm going to say, man, I'm so tired of trying to scrap around, trying to find a purpose for my life. I'm so tired of giving 45 hours a week fulfilling the purpose of my boss, you know. Everybody loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life that's not so wonderful. But prayer in the Christian life is intimacy with the God of the universe that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. And that's the essence of prayer. I often say it this way, prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God. When I don't pray, I'm really saying, Lord, I don't need you. Thanks for all your promises. Thanks for your spirit. Thanks for all that I have available in you, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but I'm okay on my own. If I hit a speed bump, I'll give you a call. <laughs> and uh, that's not how we want to live. God has so much in store for us. So let's look at verse 1. I call it an earnest appeal by the disciples concerning prayer, an earnest appeal concerning prayer. It says, now, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, Jesus had already taught him once. Uh, it's a message in Matthew 6 called the Sermon on the Mount, but, you know, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. So uh, they're asking him again. Now, what was that you said again about prayer, you know? And, and John's disciple and his guys, and we don't know exactly what John was doing. What we do know, however, he talked about disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's not just intellectual. It's not just activism. It's experience intimacy together in prayer. Prayer is vital to discipleship, isn't it? We see that in John. We see that in Jesus. But I want you to see something that to me is so astounding. What motivated them to ask Jesus to teach them to pray was not a book he wrote on prayer. It wasn't just some conference on prayer. It was that he prayed. They're watching him pray. They're saying, Lord, teach us. So here's the thought. If there's one reason to learn to pray as a Christ follower, it's this. Jesus prayed. <laughs> Say that with me. Jesus prayed. That's pretty awesome. Now, your series is called God, Man, God, and Man. So we know Jesus fully God, fully man, but that makes you think, well, what about that prayer thing? Well, let me say something. It sounds like a riddle, but hang with me, all right? There's a sense in which Jesus was the only one who ever walked the earth and didn't need to pray but did in order to help those of us who do need to pray but don't learn how to do it. Now repeat that back. No, I'm teasing, right? The whole point is he was one with the Father as God. He was in perfect communion with the Father all the time. But he was also the perfect example of humanity. And so he was the ultimate role model for our praying, right? Now that kind of raises the standard a little bit. 
because what I know about Jesus and his prayer life, I, I mean, before everything he did, he prayed. While he did it, he prayed. After he did it, he prayed. He would go away for extended periods of time and pray. He would rise up a great while before the day and pray. Before he made a major decision in selecting his disciples, he prayed all night long. Hmm, I think Seek Week's a good start. How about you, right? At least we can start moving in the right direction. Jesus prayed, and that's what motivated them to ask him to pray. A couple thoughts. They were motivated by Christ's example. You see that. And then secondly, we must be taught to pray. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. They, they said, teach us. And, and so let's be honest. It doesn't matter what your background. I was talking to a former Catholic brother yesterday. He said, man, all I knew about prayer saying the our father and using the you know the the beads and you know it's kind of perfunctory i don't know that i really met god i just did what i was told to do well it doesn't matter catholic evangelical whatever we all have to sometimes unlearn to relearn right so i told this to the leaders on friday I, as a kid i grew up with an aversion to prayer honestly i had a drug problem now, not opioids or anything serious like that but my parents drugged me to the old-fashioned midweek prayer meeting every week of my life and that thing was a sleeper. Yeah, right? That was a sleeper. Now, as I look back on it, it kind of felt like this. We'd show up at 7 o'clock. We'd sing a few stodgy songs. It felt like sanctified versions of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. They went on and on and on. And then some guy gave a devotion, had nothing to do with prayer, you know. And then came the dreaded question. And you know the dreaded question, right, in these old-fashioned prayer meetings. Does anybody have any? Prayer requests, and man, we were loaded for beer. We pulled out our yellow pads and our blue big pins, and we started in, and it went on, and it went on, and it went on. Pretty soon a little gossip got in there. That was interesting. Deacon Bill had run off with Matilda, the organ player, tragedy of tragedies, but then we find out his wife was manic depressive, his son was in, in prison, and his daughter had been pregnant at wedlock five times in the last three days, and their dog had rabies. I mean, it just this is very informative. You got to go to prayer to get the skinny, and and so... You know, 45 minutes into this, I'm thinking, man, everybody in the country has an ingrown toenail, a slip disc, a cousin uh, with financial problems, a friend with a broken down car. I'm so depressed now, I don't feel like praying, <laughs> right? You've been to these prayer meetings, I can tell. Finally, some genius looks at his wife and says, oh, we're almost out of time. We better pray. I'm thinking, well, there's an idea. This has been false advertising. So then we huddle up and we engage in what I call the banal blessed be with syndrome. You ever watched this before? Almost superstitiously. We've got to cover everything. Lord, bless him, bless her, bless this, bless that. Turn the page, be with him, be with her, be with this. Oh, we're not talking. Bless me, bless I will see you next week. I'm saying, oh, man, I hope I can stay home and watch, you know, reruns of the Munsters or something. This thing was painful, right? We've all got to learn to pray. And one of the side note, by the way, the best way to learn to pray is by learning to pray with others, all right? with others. He's saying, teach us to pray, Lord. They, they had a very communal spirit. We talked about this a lot yesterday. And as Albert Moeller, he's a renowned seminary professor, wrote in one of his books, there is no I in the Lord's prayer. You ever thought about that? They're all plural pronouns. This is what we do together. And, and D.A. Carson, another great theologian, says the only way you learn to pray is by praying with others who know how to pray. That's another good reason to show up this week, by the way. Just learn to pray. You say, well, I don't know. I'm, I won't be saying much. That's okay. Just listen. Just listen. I love what one of your elders told me the other day. He said, you know, if I could listen in on a phone call between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I'd like to listen in on that. He said, and you know, if I come to prayer, I can listen in on godly people talking to the God of the universe. That's even better. 
How many say it's even better than LeBron James? I know that's a big one here, but, you know, yeah, that's even better, right? And so that's how we learn, and that's what we see in this passage. Now, secondly, I want you to see the biblical approach that Jesus gives them in verses 2 and 3, all right? The biblical approach to prayer. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Now, key thing, the Greek word there literally means not just repeat words. It means as a model or a pattern, all right? And in Matthew 6, when Jesus taught this, he said, pray this way, not repeat these words. Another little newsflash, in the Greek, when Jesus said this, it's what we call a present imperative. This is not a suggestion or a good idea. It literally means you must always learn to pray like this. Wow. So we better tune in, huh? Better figure this out. Better do more than just quote it at religious occasions. We, we better get this woven into the fabric of our life. If the one who saved us, the one who was the God-man, said this is how you got to always learn to pray, I want to figure it out, right? So if you were with us yesterday, you've seen this before. I have a musical background, and suddenly this prayer began to make sense to me in a fresh and new way. Now, honestly, as a pastor, I taught on this prayer 10 weeks, you know, fill in the blanks, uh, Hebrew background, Greek words, threw in an Italian coffee shop, a French bakery, you know, anything to make it interesting. And I'm not sure people got it, but when this pattern became so simple, it changed thousands of lives that I pastored in myself as well. So if you're musical, you recognize this. You'll see it on the screen. It goes upward, downward, inward, outward, right? Let's do some Sunday morning calisthenics. You don't have to go jogging today. We're going to burn off a half cali right here, all right? Here we go. Ready? Upward, downward, inward, outward, upward, downward, inward, outward, all right? So my friends with Catholic background said, dude, you're just copying us. We got that figured out a long time ago, right? But, but it's more than that. I want you to see the prayer begins upward, all right? Jesus said, start here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see, prayer never starts with us. It starts with God. It doesn't start with my need. It starts with the beauty and wonder of his character. The way we said it in our seminar yesterday, and just in summary, is Jesus says, start with his face and not his hand. You see, so much of our praying is just what we need from God. And by the way, he's got all that we need. But that's not where you pray because it's a relationship. It's not just a religious routine. It's a relationship. And so, again, I say it so many times. It's so emburned in my heart, emblazoned on my heart, that if all you ever do is seek God's hand, you may miss his face. I know a lot of people pray all their life. They don't know God, though. But if you seek his face, he will be glad to open his hand. And so Jesus says, start here with a father who's intimate, who's ruling the heavens, whose names or whose character is beyond your imagination. Worship him first and then move downward in response. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, now I'm surrendering my prayer list for God's, my agenda for God's, my ideas for God's. And so often we just kind of go through a routine of needs and, you know, as a guy described it between services, sometimes I feel like I'm just shooting arrows in the air, right? Because we just are kind of doing a data dump without thinking about what he wants to do in us before we tell him about what we need. One friend said it this way, the average Christian spends way more prayer energy trying to pray sick Christians out of heaven rather than lost people out of hell. <laughs> wow. That, that kind of reframes what we ought to be thinking about, right? 
So now, having done that, we move to our needs, the requests. You see it? And, and think about the next part of that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus gives the essence of that prayer again in Luke 11. Let me stutter real quickly on my R's, okay? Two words. Resources and relationships. Would you say that with me? Resources and relationships. You see, when the prayer now gets to our areas of need, there are two categories. Resource needs, daily bread, and for us, it can be a lot of different things. You know, I, I need gas in my car. I need a new job. I'm going into the doctor tomorrow. Our kids are going to college. We have all kinds of resource needs, but then there are those relationship needs, and wouldn't you agree that every day we got to check in on our marriage, our family, our relationships, the boss at work, whatever Jesus is saying, pray about those needs, that, that relationally they'll be marked by authenticity, forgiveness, and grace. Every prayer list you have ever written out or you have ever seen, everything on that list is either a what? A resource need or what? A relationship need. Jesus understood what we would struggle with. But now you got to get off your knees and into battle. So now, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. And so there is this sense, seeing if you're listening, feels the same sometimes, deliver us from evil. Literally, Lord, don't let us get stuck in the battle. It's a war out there. Give us the power and grace we need. And, and we don't have time to unpack this, but the best way to experience this prayer is praying out of the Bible because the Scripture tells you who God is. And the Scripture speaks to your heart about what you need to surrender and confess and yield to him. And the scripture gives you faith to pray about your needs. And the scripture gets you ready to fight the battle, taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Jesus gives this amazing model prayer. And if anything else, maybe that pattern will help you make that clear as you seek to grow in your prayer life, not based on what Henderson said, but Jesus said, figure this one out. If you don't do anything else, figure this one out. Now, finally, real quickly, he gives some practical assurance in verses 5 through 12, all right? Practical assurance, and I want you to see what he says. He gives a friendship illustration and a fathering illustration, all right? Let's look at the friendship illustration, picking up in verse 5. Now he's kind of adding some, some window dressing, some illustration to this to help us understand what the Lord really wants to accomplish as we learn to pray like this. And he said to them, which you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, leave me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Henderson paraphrased, dude, I had unexpected company. I got no food. You got anything you can loan me? And he'll answer him from within. Don't bother me. The door's now shut. My children are in bed with me. I can't get, of course, he wouldn't yell that loud. He'd wake them all up, right? But maybe he'd say it this way. Do not bother me. All right. My kids are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. In other words, they're in one-room houses back in the day, right? So you can't go stirring around waking everybody up. Jesus says, oh, I tell you, though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, you say, what kind of word is that? Literally means shameless persistence, all right? He will rise up and give him whatever he needs. Now, this is not saying that God is reluctant. You know, he never says, hey, quit bugging me. I'm running the universe here. I don't have time for you. That's not God, right? The whole point we're about to see is to teach us to keep on praying. Don't stop praying. Even in the worst case scenario, when you got a reluctant friend, stay persistent. And here's the good news, Jesus says, verse 9. But I tell you, as it comes to prayer, ask and it will be given. Literally, keep on asking. All right, don't stop. 
Keep on asking, it'll be given. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, it will be open to you. Why? For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. 